Hello and welcome to the BSG Trainees podcast. My name's James Kennedy and I'm a trainee in the Oxford Deanery. Today's guest is Professor Sumita Verma. Professor Verma is Professor in Hepatology at Brighton and Sussex Medical School and Honorary Consultant in Hepatology at Brighton and Sussex University Hospitals. She graduated in medicine from the University of Delhi and trained in gastroenterology and hepatology in Yorkshire. After working as Assistant Professor in Hepatology in the University of Southern California in 2002 to 2004 and Johns Hopkins University in 2006 to 2007, she returned to the UK to take up her position as Senior Lecturer in BSMS in 2007. Professor Verma's clinical interests have spanned the breadth of hepatology during her career, including publishing on neutrophil migration in alcoholic hepatitis, the impact of ethnicity on outcomes in an autoimmune hepatitis, and non-invasive diagnosis of chronic liver disease. Her primary research interest, however, remains the elimination of hepatitis C, and her team at Brighton are at the forefront in developing novel, integrated community models for care of harder-to-reach populations. More recently, her team were also awarded an RCP Excellence in Patient Care Award in 2018 for their work on improving symptom burden in advanced cirrhosis and refractory ascites. Welcome to the podcast, Demita. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. It's my pleasure. I'd like to um, kick off, if that's okay with you, if you could just talk us uh, through your route into hepatology. So tell us what inspired you to get into liver medicine. Okay, so I get asked this question quite a lot. I think I think it's a good uh, good kind of first question to ask. I think generally. Uh, so I did my initial training in India, and I think I was a third year medical student. And at that stage, I had really had no idea what I would do. And what I'm going to say probably will sound uh, a bit of a cliche, but my first death that I witnessed was a young pregnant woman uh, who turned yellow and had hepatitis. And now I know that it was hepatitis E. And I think since then, my my sort of fascination with the hepatology uh, happened. And, and subsequently, I was really lucky to have the opportunity to work with some great hepatologists uh, across three different continents. And that, I think, further fueled my passion and desire for hepatology. Brilliant. And, and yes, as you said, you've, you've crossed three continents in your career so far to end up where you are now in Brighton. Talk to us a bit about that journey. How have you found moving institutions internationally so many times? Well, some of it was planned. Some of it was life. You know, sometimes life happens and you have no idea where you're going to end up. But but I I always feel that one has to try and make the best of every situation. So my initial training was in India. Then I came to the UK and I did my specialist training and I worked up north. I did my training, uh, my hepatology uh, transplant training at Leeds at Jimmy's, which was absolutely fantastic. And then I was really blessed to have had the opportunity to work in two fantastic liver units. One was the University of Southern California. And I think everyone there was a who's who of hepatology you know, Bruce Runyon, Alan Redeker, um, uh, Telfer Reynolds, Neil Kaplowitz, you know, I can go on and on. 
And then subsequently, I went to Johns Hopkins, which was again really a who's, who's of hepatology. And I think that uh, this this working across three different continents really helped me evolve and develop uh, into the person that I am now. Hopkins was very, very tough, very, very challenging, very intense. But I think I came out of it a much better human being and I think a much better hepatologist. And then how about that move back to the UK? So that was again something which... uh, I would say wasn't planned. Uh, it was it was more uh, life because of life reasons that I had to move back. Yes, uh, it was a great great change, you know, to to move from Johns Hopkins where we had fifty faculty to uh, to uh, Brighton where I was the only academic, uh, and uh, it was a real change. So I really had to change, you know, all my research ideas and my research interests because at Hopkins it was focused on you know transplantation and autoimmune hepatitis but that is fine if you're working in a tertiary unit but as the solo academic in hepatology at Brighton I quickly had to change gears and adapt to a new system uh, and a new environment so uh, it was challenging again but I think whenever you are faced with challenges, I think it's good because I think at the end of it, you come out much more evolved and much more complete. Excellent. And, um, and you've highlighted some um, some really big names there in, in hepatology. Is there anyone that stands out to you as a, as a mentor? Yes, definitely. Uh, the late Telford Reynolds and, and Alan Redeker who's currently 96 years old, bless him. So he was, he was more like my surrogate father while, while I was working at USC. Uh, I, I have been in touch with him until about two years ago, and I'm hoping that I will be able to be you know, in touch with him again. So he was a fantastic mentor, you know, and, and I think he he taught me not just uh, hepatology but he also taught me you know humanity about about how you know that you are a human being first and a hepatologist second and and to never forget that that's brilliant and um now let's talk a bit about your work in brighton so so the development of uh, direct acting antivirals for hepatitis C has arguably been one of the biggest revolutions of, of recent time in, in hepatology and medicine as a whole. Um, and it's really put eradication of hepatitis C in, in our grasp. Um, talk, talk to us about the highs and lows of forging uh, integrated community hepatitis C service for Brighton. Thank you. Yeah, so that has, has really been my passion now, I think, ever since I came to Brighton because clearly in Brighton, uh, the deaths from liver disease are probably, I think, one of the highest in the country, certainly, I think, one of the highest in the southeast. And we have a particular problem with both alcohol and hepatitis C, largely because of our demographic uh, profile. It became apparent to me very quickly that the traditional, you know, ivory tower 
tertiary hospital or secondary hospital based models would would not be working for our patients with hepatitis C because the vast majority were you know highly vulnerable individuals uh, you know injecting drug users the homeless those who'd been in prison and clearly we needed a more a more personalized uh, model of care uh, based at where they were because they clearly felt very stigmatized when they came to hospital so this all actually started way back in 2011 2012 when we knew that we didn't actually have very effective treatments but we knew that effective treatments ie daas were on the way and our plan was to get these models of clear uh, these models of care set up so that the minute they arrived we could hit the ground and run um and what would you say is your your next port of call when when hepatitis C is eradicated in the UK do you do you want to roll out your model of care to lower and middle income countries for example so i think uh, first of all i think we we have to roll out the model nationally because i think mm. if you look at the data from public health england the vast majority of treatments are still actually happening not in community settings but in but in hospital settings and i think our, our model has been adopted by other other hepatitis c nationally but i think there now the mindset is changing that if we are to eliminate hepatitis c then we have to engage with these hard to reach populations all the low hanging fruit you know all the uh, patients who are engaging with us in hospitals have all been treated we now have about 89000 out in the community that we will have to go out and find them because they will not be coming to us so once we have once we have achieved hepatitis c elimination um in our country then yes certainly there will be scope to roll out the model to other countries including low income countries which unfortunately bear the major burden from from hepatitis c what would you say the next priorities are for within hepatology for the next 10 years so uh i mean <clears throat> from my perspective my my kind of other big uh area of research is basically improving improving symptom burden in patients with uh, i think end stage liver disease uh especially with ascites because we know that uh, a large proportion of patients who have end stage liver disease are not going to be transplant candidates and we are very poor at providing end of life care or palliative care to this cohort of patients so that is my my focus now but i think in the long term it has to be early detection of liver disease it has to be community screening for liver disease because we cannot really go on like this where the vast majority of patients who are diagnosed with liver disease are when they actually have you know irreversible cirrhosis and or they end up in hospital uh, with complications from cirrhosis so i think the focus obviously we do have a cohort of patients who are who have irreversible liver disease so we have to deal with that but we have to now act and we have to start screening for liver disease actively in in the community excellent 
and um, and a large part of your job is teaching as well. Um, is that something you've, you've you've loved more and more over time? How much do you tend to get to devote to that nowadays? So yes, I I really do enjoy teaching. Um, I'm quite passionate about it, whether it's a kind of undergraduate or postgraduate teaching, and I've and I've always enjoyed it. And I think my time in the states also helped me develop that further because in the states the medical students tend to be a lot older and more mature than the medical students here and and I think it is a real kind of character building exercise for you as a teacher as well when you teach and for me teaching has always been a two-way process you know I learn from students just like they learn from me so yes and and I, and I think that there's something really heartwarming about the fact that you are training the next generation of doctors you know so that kind of really makes me glow with pride somehow and uh, and uh, it's something that is a very core component of my job plan and it's something that i would wish to continue in the future as well that's really great to hear you've been awarded in 2018 the RCP Excellence in Patient Care Award for your work on palliative care in, in liver disease. Would you say that's your, your proudest achievement to date? Uh, I think there have been so many you know proud achievements so I think it's difficult to single out one but yes that was a proud moment but I think you have to understand that these kind of events are always it's always a team so it's not one individual and and as one of my mentors always uh, taught me that your research is really only as good as your next research fellow that you have so it was a real a team effort and I, and i have really been blessed to have had you know a, a great team ever since i came to brighton you know i've had some real excellent uh, research fellows you know starting with john potts uh, then we had lucia macken amit hashim Rona McGear, you know, so all really excellent, committed individuals. And I think whatever prize you win, it basically is just a reflection of that team. You know, it's it's all about teamwork for me. And and how about outside of medicine? What are your what are your loves outside of medicine? So I love to uh, travel. I love reading, music, uh, cooking, walking. I don't exercise much, probably should exercise a bit more. But yeah, I mean, my life is pretty full, I have to say. You've got some amazing places to walk around uh, around Brighton. Yes, yes, certainly. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And what's, what's your favourite thing about uh, about living there? Well, actually, I live more closer to Horsham. But uh, but what I do like about Brighton is is its vibrancy, you know, its people, um, the you know the overall culture. Um, I mean, it's a it's a great place. The the hospital is a uh, is a great place to work at. The medical school is a great place to be at, and uh, yeah, overall it's uh, it's great. And if you had to pass on one piece of advice for an early career gastroenterology trainee or someone considering applying for the specialty, what, what would it be? Gosh, um, am I, I would say that, you know, follow your dreams. 
you only live once you know so the world's your oyster what you don't want is is to be on your deathbed saying what if you know so so if if you are passionate about something then see it through you know don't let uh, failures uh, you know upset you or uh, you know or kill your passion i think you should see a failure as as a stepping stone to success because because unless you fail you're never going to succeed that's that's really really good advice we can't really have a conversation right now without talking about about covid-19 what do you think the impacts have been on on liver disease in general so i think that uh, there has been obviously a direct impact as well as a indirect impact the direct impact obviously has been the you know the high mortality rates in patients with liver disease once they develop covid and the uh, indirect impact has obviously been the delayed referrals delayed uh, hospital admissions patients presenting very late the surge in alcohol use etc etc so i think it has it has had overall quite a devastating impact all round you know uh uh our patients we haven't been able to see them face to face it's sometimes difficult to get you know a grip on what's going on when you're just talking to them on the phone we haven't been able to do surveillance for hcc or you know varicel surveillance uh, investigations have been delayed biopsies have been you know there's been such a massive all round impact and especially for those those hard to reach groups um who you mentioned absolutely. earlier absolutely absolutely yeah because uh, right now we've paused everything for four months again mm. because obviously i had to weigh the risks to the staff when they went out into the community but but our nurses are still keeping in touch with them via phone so that at least they know there is someone they can talk to but we are not uh, currently starting any new treatments those who are already on hepatitis c treatment we are continuing but at least until the end of january we have put starting any new treatments on hold okay so that's a yeah, that's a huge impact isn't it it is well thank you very much for joining us samita thank you um it's been an abs- absolute pleasure to um to talk to you and thank you so much for for giving up your time thank you so much thank you for all you're doing thank you for listening to the british society of gastroenterology trainees podcast Please do listen to our other episodes available at www.bsg.org.uk forward slash trainee podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes and Pocket Casts. And don't forget to give us a rating and leave a review wherever you listen.